Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Thank you. Thank you. You know, growing up, my mother used to caution us about our words, and we just thought, this woman should not allow you to say, you know, you want to say something. She said, don't say that. You know, we used to be like, ah, she doesn't even know what's happening. Does she read the, um, the Times? She doesn't read it. She doesn't read any financial news. She doesn't read. So when we're talking, she'll be saying, ah, don't say that. I'm like, what does she know? You know, but lately, the Lord has been speaking to me very deeply about words. You know, when we speak positive words, words have power. Whether you speak positive words or negative words, your words have power. So when you speak negative words, you create a negative pathway for yourself. And when you speak positive words, you create a positive pathway for yourself. I found this um, write-up by a rabbi, and she was talking about the ancient Jewish tradition. And she said the Torah begins with the world being created by words. Let there be. So when you go to the beginning of scripture, you hear God speaking, let there be ancient words. Let there be. Since the world was created by words, let there be. And it is the recurring refrain. God names each item, light, day, night, darkness, earth, sea, heaven. Even when he created Adam. He then gave Adam the power to do what? To name. And usually the time we're careful about the words that we use is when we want to name our children. You now go and look for deep names. But otherwise, we just speak. You know? And she said, from this emerges the concept that words can build or destroy. Words matter. Say to your neighbor, words matter words matter. Every letter in the Torah is believed to have significance and every word is essential. There are no errors. It is difficult to reconcile this deep relationship between word and meaning with a 21st century culture of using words as if they do not matter. Adulthood nascam. If there's any phrase that irritates me, I want my children. I say, if I hear you, you're not even an adult yet. You have cursed your adulthood. Let me not hear it. Men are scum. Women are, what are women? Gold diggers. Then you marry the scum and live with the gold digger. They are complaining every day. You declared it. I want my kids never. Because you're going to be an adult someday. And you're standing and singing with this, you know, just singing the. And as you're singing it, you're creating your pathway. It is difficult to reconcile this deep relationship between word and meaning with a 21st century culture of using words as if they do not matter. Tell your neighbor, words matter. Words matter. 
The Talmud teaches the world exists only in the merit of the person who restrains him or herself at the time of an argument. Words create narratives. Words have the ability to disrupt. Words have the ability to provoke. Words have the ability to uproot. And in a world that is divided, they can cause terrible, terrible harm. And you know, some of us, we pat ourselves on the back and not grieve for him. Before he say one, I don't talk to. Trust me now. Then people will hail you. <laughs> Manny Joggle, where we come from, we don't used to keep quiet. Before you say, ta -ta -ta -ta, I gave him back. <laughs> You're proud. Proud of what you have created and what you have released. James 3, 3 to 6. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take sheep as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Can anybody see your tongue if you don't stick it out? Can anyone see it? Is it important? Extremely. Extremely hidden. Looks insignificant, but so important that today your tongue and the things that you say will determine your tomorrow. Now. As insignificant as it seems. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Do you know how many wars were started by the tongue? National wars by the tongue. Do you know how many homes were broken by the tongue? Do you know how many businesses, do you know how many lives destroyed by the tongue? It makes great boasts, seems so insignificant. It makes really great boasts. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. The course of your life set on fire. And many times you're struggling and you're wondering, God, why are you not answering my prayer? Why? Your tongue. You set your life on fire. And I'm sharing this because these are the things the Lord has been speaking to me. Because one day I said to God, the scripture tells me you hear prayer. The scripture tells me you answer prayer. Why are these things still happening? Said your tongue. So you're now to debate. You're smart. You're intelligent. You know words. So when somebody is talking to you, you want to show yourself, show your skill. Then you start... Forgetting that you're not speaking for that moment. You are not. With the, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings. The Lord said that's the most baffling thing ever. You would just come out from here. We have come, we'd open. Then you enter the road. Somebody say, what? Same stream. Same stream. 
It's baffling. It's baffling. You go for prayer meeting on Saturday, you have prayed. The anointing was so strong. You're on the floor, you're worshiping. As you're coming out, you're telling the security man, open the gate. My friend, open the gate. You curse him. We curse people so easily. It's like a joke. It's like if you don't curse somebody in this Lagos, eh, they will call you a mumu man. Say, you know. They told me in the office one day, you have lost your fire. I said, eh, how? Say, you don't shred your people. You know, bankers know shredding. And you are promoted by shredding. You know, so you will take up a grown man. Then you will start, where is your village? Is anybody educated there? You are a dunce. What does your wife call you? Honey, you answer. You don't tell her you are a goat? I tell, I'm not joking. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not. It's called shredding. And the, the, when you develop a skill in it, you know, you are seen to be a top banker. You're an achiever. So when I said to my team, I'm going to address your issues. I'm never going to insult your person. They called me. You don't shred your people. You have lost your fire. I said, my fire is in the figures. Are my people meeting their numbers? Yeah, I said, no. It's not like that. Shred them. In the meeting, just call the person. Latum, they then start. <laughs> call his father. Call his mother. And we don't realize that there are people who are actually broken by those things. Many people just, you know, dress up, brave it, come to work inside. There are people. They are broken. A guy said to me, he said, I can't touch my wife. I said, why? He said, because I've been called less than a man. He said, are you a man? You're not a man. You just wear a suit and look like a man. You're a dunce. You're a dummy. And then he comes to work. He hears that consistently. He hears it and hears it and hears it. And he's broken inside. And I need you, children of God, to reject it. The minute they say to you, say, I am not that. I reject it in the name of Jesus. I'm not that. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Tell your neighbor, this should not be. It is not so. Have you heard the Holy Spirit curse you? It should not be so. It is not the plan of God. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It shouldn't be. Let me show you some scriptures. Let, let, let me read the one that started this whole journey. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. You know, I kept hearing God say to me, so this was the, the genesis of this whole journey. 
God kept saying to me, he that believes does not make haste. I kept wondering, why are you? Every time I want to do something, you say, he that believes does not make haste. You want me to be slow inside Lagos? <laughs> so they'll say, oh, come and do this. I get up, you know, and as I'm rushing to go, the Lord says, he that believes does not make haste. So, you know, it, it kept happening up to like 12 times. So one night, I'm like, let me even understand what this, are you saying I should not go? Are you saying, you know, what are you saying? And Lord said, wait. Wait for what? Business is going. Things are happening. You know, people, I'm just here waiting. I'm looking like even people who are my friends and family are now beginning to look at me like, what's wrong with you? But the Lord kept saying, he that believes does not make haste. He that believes does not make haste. Until the point when I then realized that for every assignment in front of me, he wanted me to sit down and get a plan. And get that plan from him. So that when I go there, my words will not be hasty. He said, there's more hope for a fool. When you go there and you say you want to wing it because you're smart, you know, you have some data, you have some details. So you go and then, you know, you try to, they're asking questions, you're trying to plug the holes and you're hasty. That was where the whole thing started. And he said, wait, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I was talking to a young lady, you know, and she had gone through, you could see that she was so hurt by her family, you know? And I was talking to her and I said, you have to forgive them. Do you know what she said to me? She said, I'm trying, but nobody has said sorry. Nobody has come to me to say, I'm sorry. And you know, I just felt the burden inside of her. There's so many people who things have happened to them. People have said things to them, broken them. They're just waiting for his sorry. Just waiting that that person will come one day and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. You know, the Bible says that in this world, offenses will come. Trust me, be ready. If you are living in the world, you'll be offended. You can't escape offense. If you lock yourself in your room, you will offend yourself. You can't escape it. But then again, he says, woe to him. Woe to the offender. There's some of you sitting here. To bring out sorry from your mouth, you would rather cut your neck. You have offended someone. And you know that that person is struggling to just get past that offense and just be whole. And you know that all it will take from you is to just go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I offended you. Please forgive me. You'd rather die. But do you know how that can bring healing? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. There are people who are really, really waiting for those words. They're waiting for it. They're 
hurting. And some of us, we pile hurt upon hurt. It's like when you give the first missile, the person, <coughs> then you look, she's even eating. Me. Don't let the devil use you. Don't be a vessel that the devil will use. Now that you said sorry, did anything happen to you? Did you lose weight? Did your head fall off? Nothing. Meanwhile, people are broken. Guess what? Children. Children are broken from the things their parents said to them. I was, I was having a discussion with my daughter. And the discussion quickly became an argument. And you know, these young children, they believe that you, you don't know anything. Nothing. Don't even know. So I got really angry. And because I did not want to say something, I just said, you know what, good night. And I hung up. And after I hung up, the Holy Spirit said, you have wounded that child. So I called her back. Called the first time, she didn't answer. I called again, she picked up the phone. I said, I want to apologize for hanging up on you. Hey, she started wailing. She was crying. She said, you hurt me so much. Am I not important? Can you not hear my opinion? Even if it's the wrong opinion, why will you not hear me? Don't I mean anything to you? Oh my goodness. Of course, you know me, me, I, I know how to cry, I know my tears. <laughs> That day, God sent like five angels. You know, the scripture says that the angels bottles. So the angels were just coming with bottles <laughs> and collecting the tears. But you know, from that day, our relationship turned around. The things she would never have told me, never, she would tell me. In Africa, African parents, we don't apologize. So who you be? Not me born you. If you do too much, I will kill you. Nobody will even ask of you when you are dead. I'm the only one who asks of you. Who asks of you, self, in this world? No, think about it. Does anybody ask of you in this world? Not your parents. I will kill you. When I kill you, I will bury you in the backyard. You will be missing. Nobody will know you are missing. I'm the only one who will know you are missing. Because when your friends are looking for you, who will they ask? Is me. We haven't seen Moody. How many have said, don't worry? It's all right. <laughs> and because of that, we use words. And the reason I'm talking about parents is because there are covenant relationships where words are very powerful. Hi. A father speaking over his children. Your words matter. A husband speaking to his wife. Your words matter. Your words matter. You enter into a business contract. You have a partner. It's a covenant relationship. Your words matter. Every time you enter a covenant relationship, your words matter. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Its fruit can either be death 
or his fruit can be life. Your words matter. Kind words are like honey. Kind words. The woman I work with, eh, she's so kind that sometimes we wonder, some days I want to use a pin and prick her. Are you a human being? She's so kind. Sometimes I'm like, get angry now so that the rest of us will know it's a normal. She just lets it go. And then she uses very kind words. How are you, darling? How was your right to work? Bele, traffic, Abby, don't worry, it's okay. What are we doing? You know, by the time she finishes talking to you, you just feel problems, just, yes. Why is it hard for us to speak kindly? Why? Why is it hard for us to use a soothing word over someone? Why is that hard? You know, in this Africa, we believe that if I praise him now, his head will be big. Not be doing anyhow. I came out one day, my trainer said, Looks like you have lost small weight. I said, will he kill you to tell me that, ah, you have tried. He said, if I tell you now, you start overeating. But that's our thinking. That's our thinking. Your driver one day just does not annoy you. He just gets everything right that day. Your mind, you're like, ah, he has tried today. If I say it now, tomorrow, did you do worry him to come back? We're stingy with kindness. Your house helps. She has broken all your plates. Broken, 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 broken. Every day something is broken. Every day she's spoiling something. Then one day she doesn't spoil anything. You were waiting for it to be spoiled. It was not spoiled. So you now look at her. You're like, hi. If I say it now, she will break the whole house. Let me not say it. We are so stingy with kindness. Very stingy with kindness. Speak a kind word. Be kind, speak a kind word. The Bible says it is sweet to the soul. It is healthy. Do you know why many people are sick? Nobody has said anything kind to them ever. Every time, see your big head, see your fat nose, you all look good, this mumu, ah, ah. why? I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account. Credit and debit. Good words, evil words, net. Where will your net be? <laughs> you will give account for every careless word you speak, for by your words, you will be justified. By your words, who will be condemned? You. So, as you're speaking unkind words to people, who are you condemning? Yourself. It's by your words you will be condemned. It's by your words you will be justified. Let me tell you a story. I pray with some women 
you know, and we've been praying for many years. I think it was some years ago we we're praying, and the Lord said, There's a woman here who is going through hardship. And she's going through hardship. You know, things have just fallen apart because she cursed her husband. So I shared it with the women. And later the woman called me. She said, I'm the one. She said, he broke my heart. And in pain, I cursed him. And I said to God, God, Shebi's money, take it. She forgot at that time that she was his wife. And God honored her words and took it. She went through an extremely hard time. So we started to pray and we said, God, for you to even talk about this, that means there's something that can be done. <sighs> Let's go to Esther 3, 9 to 14. We all know Esther's story, right? I don't need to tell Esther's story. If you don't know Esther's story, please go and read the book of Esther. There is no time to tell. So Esther, young Jewish girl who was taken to be the king's um, bride when the wife, you know, was not compliant. So they brought in Esther. And um, Esther's uncle was watching over her, Mordecai. But there was a man in the kingdom, Haman, the Agagite. And Haman came from a genealogy of people who hated the Jews. Because when God told Saul, it was Saul, when God told Saul to kill all of them, he did not. That was why Samuel said to him that to obey is better than sacrifice. That was the entire story. He did not. He let them live. So Haman is the descendant of one of those kings, all right, that he, he, he let live. And, of course, Haman, growing up, must have heard anytime you see the Jews, terminate them. So he hated the Jews. So Haman goes to the king in Esther 3, 9 to 14. It says, if it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, that the Jews be destroyed, Okay. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So imagine, he wants them destroyed and he's willing to pay. I'll pay the cost of it. Just decree it. Why did he need a decree? Without the king's decree, nothing will happen. But if the king decrees it, it will then happen. He will facilitate the process. He will pay the money. So the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the son of Hamedetha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Then the king's scribes were called, and a decree was written according to all that Haman commanded. In the name of King Ahasuerus, it was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. When Mordecai, you know, so it will be announced that on so-so-so day, the Jews will be killed. A decree had been made. Inevitable, there's nothing we can do. So when the news comes out, Mordecai then goes to Esther, who is a queen. Go and beg the king. This kind of thing cannot happen, please. So Esther goes into fasting, prayer. It's really an interesting book. You should go and read it. 
prays and then she goes before the king, sets up a feast, hosts the king, hosts Haman, you know, just trying to get the king to hear her. And in chapter 8, now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And here's the interesting part. At this time, Haman was dead, but the decree is not dead. And many times we think that when we speak a thing, you know, it's just, mm -mm. you have spoken it. It's not dead. But Haman was dead. That decree of a certain day we're going to kill the Jews still stood. So their lives were still in danger. And Esther was still pleading. If it pleases the king and if I have found favor in his sight and the thing seems right to the king and I'm pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who, who are in all the king's provinces. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther Mordecai the Jew, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke it. A decree has gone out. It cannot be revoked. So even though Esther had found favor and she was crying before the king, turn this word. The king said, what? No, I can't. This is an irrevocable law. My ring is on it. We pray in the name of Jesus. And many times we're praying in our emotions. Sometimes you're angry and you come and you say, oh God, do, 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 do. and then when the thing happens, you're like, oh, but God, I did not mean it. That was the situation this woman found herself in. And the Lord gave us this scripture and said, tell her to write a decree. Let her decree fight the other decree that has been established. Every time you make a decree, you release a warrior. That warrior has an assignment to accomplish the things that you have said. You are a child of God. Understand this. In Isaiah 55, what does God say? He says, every word that I speak, it will not return to me void. Every time I speak a word, that word will be accomplished. You are created in his image. Every time you speak a word, what do you release? A warrior. He wears an armor. Then he goes out to accomplish the things that you have said. My husband is a madman. You have released a warrior. Then you begin to see the manifestation of the madness. You are crying. The Lord said, say to her, let her speak a word and let that word run after the other word that she spoke and let her speak that word in my name. And so we joined her and we began to release words. We began to bless him. We called his name. We blessed him. You know what? When she spoke that word, in a year, he lost four businesses. They shut down. 
one thing here, one thing there, the business is all shut down. So we began to speak and we began to bless him. Every night we would get up, we would speak, we would speak a word, we would speak a word. And it was like a war. It was like a war. And that war is a battle of words that many of us today, we are caught up in. Things that we have spoken. Things that have been spoken over us. People who have authority over us. Guess what? Including your teachers. Be careful who is teaching your children. Some teachers have looked at students and said, you, you can't go find life. Be careful. And don't be embarrassed as a parent to go to school and yank your child out of that class. Don't waste any time. Don't play with your child's destiny because you want to be politically correct or proper or look like a big Lagos mom. Don't allow anybody speak a negative word over your child and you say, hey, this boy, this is how they are in their hometown. And every time your child comes home, bless him. Because you don't know the words that have been released over that child. Speak a blessing over him. Every day, Job took a sacrifice for his children. Why? He said, I don't know what they've been doing. I don't know where they've been. Perhaps they may have cursed the Lord. Let me make a sacrifice on their behalf. When your children come home, lay your hands on them. Bless them. Speak an ancient word over them. The Lord bless you. The name of the Lord of Jacob is on you. Let it cover you. Let it guide you. Don't send your children out in the morning. You don't pray for them because you are busy. Which other business do you have? Tell me. How busy can you be? In the spiritual atmosphere, there are words. And because of those words, many times we do not see the things that we hope for. When God delivered the children of Israel, when he delivered them, they were a ragtag bunch. Didn't know how to fight. They had been enslaved for a very long time. And so he began to release his power. He began to release his power. They got to the Red Sea. They saw a miracle. That miracle gave them hope, faith. They got to Jericho. By then, they had managed to become an army, isn't it? And he said, march round, march round, then shout. They saw the hand of God. By the time David was king, this was a mighty army. They fought and won wars that in Solomon's time, all he had to do was just sit and collect tribute. They were so known, they were renowned. They were famous. So what happens in Ezekiel 37? Who is that army? Who is that army? 
who are they? Could it be that same army? Broken? Have become dry bones? Because they've forgotten where they come from. And they have forgotten that their help is in the name of the Lord. And in that forgetfulness, their allegiance and their confessions changed. If you remember First Kings, Elijah was fighting for the people to come back to God. He said, I'm the only one left. So here we see a broken army. In Ezekiel 37, it says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then it caused me to pass by them all round and below there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I don't know what's dead in your life. I don't know. But I want you to hear God speak to you, son of man. Can these bones live? And many times, many of us are running from pillar to post. Pastor Fred, pray for me. Pastor Latunde, oh, be more. Lay your hands. Do a vigil. Da, da, da. How about you speak? How about you look at those bones and you speak? He said, can these bones live? He said, God, you know. And the Lord said, prophesy to these bones. And say, say to them, O bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Say to your bones. Take that situation, look at it and say, you will live. Learn to prophesy to yourself. David went out to war, came back. His family had been taken. Everything had been taken. And everyone was affected. So there was nobody who could encourage the other person. What did he do? He encouraged himself. He said, I am David. I am a king. I am anointed by the living God. The spear of the living God is in my hand. God, should I go? The Lord said, go. He said, I will go. I will recover all. I will win. Learn to prophesy to yourself. Speak a word to yourself. I have an excellent spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The hand of God directs my path. I will not lose my way. I will be successful. I will do well. I will pray. I will live in righteousness. I will serve the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Everything within me, praise his holy name. Don't sit down and say life is hard. Don't sit down and say I'm tired. Encourage yourself. Tell yourself I will rise up. I 
will sing for my mouth will praise the name of the living God and I will give him glory and the spirit of the Lord will come upon this situation and my God will turn it around prophesy look at your situation prophesy speak to it you've spoken words in the past that have built a roadblock and everything you're trying you can find a way through it release another word release another word the children of Israel they got to the Red Sea it was flowing they looked behind Pharaoh was coming and they started to cry. Oh God, we are finished. It's the end, it's over. What can we do? Even Moses joined them. The Lord said, Moses, what do you think you are doing? Why are you crying? Stand up, move. Why are you crying? What do you think you have a tongue for? Stand up, speak. Crying, you cried as slaves. I heard your cry as slaves, and I brought you out. I brought you out. You are still crying. What do you think your mouth is for? Speak, speak. I want you to stand up and speak. Speak to every situation. Speak to every situation. I am the child of God. I am anointed of the Lord. I am anointed of the living God. I will not be defeated. The hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord is upon my family. The devil cannot have my home. The devil cannot have my children. My children are dedicated to God. I cover them with the blood of Jesus. Everything we lay our hands to do will prosper. Everything we set our minds to do will do well. I succeed. I am a child of God. I have the seed of God. I have the seed of God. I will not be defeated. I will not be brought down. There is a casting down. My confession is I am lifted up. There is a lifting. God lifts me up. God lifts me up. The oil of God is upon my head. The oil of favor. Favor goes before me. Favor is behind me. Favor. Thanks for listening to this message from The Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.